welcome those who are worshipping with us on LiveGate Outreach TV and those who are listening to this by podcast and those of you who are watching this live on our Facebook page. I want to say you are very welcome and uh, may God continue to reach you where you are in Jesus' name. We are thankful to God for how he's been helping us. A couple of weeks ago, we started a brand new series uh, which is themed Godly Values for Restful Increase. God gave us uh, a God gave us a, a, a set of five core values as a church mission when God commissioned this work about seven years ago now, almost seven years ago now. And um, many of us wonder what core values are. God, every time he sends the people, he sends them with a mandate. And it is the responsibility of everyone who receives some God, from God to do an assignment from God to know the particular mandate. There is a general mandate upon the the body of Christ. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. That's a mandate. That one every church must do because that is the mandate upon the global church. But every local assembly, every mission work has a specific mandate and God would usually back it up with a set of core values. In Acts chapter 15, when the Bible talks about the first church that were being planted in places like Antioch, in Syria, and those places where Paul and Silas and... uh, uh, Barnabas were sent to out of the church eld- from the church elders in Jerusalem. They were given mandates. They were told in Acts chapter 15, if you read Acts chapter 15, verse 29, the Bible says they were told to keep going to all the church churches, giving them a set of four values. We have studied the book of Acts before. We will still come back to it at some point. But if you remember, we said they kept on telling them that wherever you go, tell the church that they must not eat meat that has been sacrificed to idols and that they must not eat blood, and that they must abstain from sexual immorality, and that they should also make sure that in everything that they do, that they do not worship idols. So there were four things that was, that was core to the church, and these are like core values. As a church from body, God gave us five core values, and every core value that God gives a church mandate should always be rooted in the Word of God, backed up with Scripture. God gave us five core values. In the course of the last couple of weeks, we've looked at the first two. The first two, we have an acronym for them called LAFET, just to remind us of the key words, love, ability. Everybody, we can go together now. What is LAFET? Love, ability, faith, excellence, and trust. They gave you the expo before uh, my exam, but that is fine. The The first is to love God and to love one another as a family under God. And then the second one is to use, which Pastor Moses dealt with very extensively last week. I had to go out to to minister somewhere, but I I was so blessed by that message when I was listening to it later on in the evening after it was edited for upload. And um, it was just phenomenal stuff to use our God-given ability to serve God and to serve humanity. And then the third core value for us as a church is to always act in faith as God commands. To always act in faith as God commands. So this is our, fourth, our third one, and next week we'll look at the core value of excellence and the core value of trust over the next couple of weeks. So the Bible explains faith to us as given in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1 to 3. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Now faith is the substance. The word substance means tangibility, handleability. It means the visibility. It means the physicality. Things hoped for are spiritual. Things hoped for are always in the realm that does not seem to exist in the physical. I cannot have this phone now and be hoping for it because I already have it in my hand physically. So what faith does is that faith goes into the realm of what you don't have yet. And then it brings it to you and then you can virtually see it tangibly. The Bible says it is the substance. It is a physical expression, literally physical expression of the things that you hope for. And it is also the evidence which is proof of things not seen. Whether the thing is, is, is being hoped for or whether it is not seen, faith is that thing that connects us to the things that we are hoping for and the things that we see. And the biggest thing that is our hope is the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. This is the biggest hope of the Christian. The Bible says Christ in us is the hope of glory. Colossians chapter 1 verse 27. So the biggest hope that we have is about Christ's return and our reuniting with Christ at the end of time. But the reality is that it is faith that connects us to that. The Bible says, by grace we have been saved. The whole world, God has given grace. Titus chapter 2 verse 11. The grace of God has appeared to all men. But it is the faith that you demonstrate and the faith in God that I demonstrate that gives us salvation. This is why up to today, not everybody is saved just yet. Even though everyone is accessible to the grace of God. So faith is the substance. And I want to make this emphasis today because our Pentecostal generation has reduced the word of faith to just for claiming things and buying houses and buying shoes and buying cars and buying land and material things. Those things are so trivial. If you limit faith, if you restrict faith to those things, you limit the whole essence of the blood of Jesus Christ that was shed for the redemption of mankind. Faith is the substance of everything we hope for. Somebody say everything we hope for. Faith is the substance. You hope for a healing. You hope for divine protection with all the onslaught of wickedness at this time. Faith is the substance. It will take faith for you to take delivery of that divine protection. It takes faith for you to handle the things that are hoped for by everybody else. It takes faith to handle the things that everybody is seeking to get. It takes faith to have the evidence in court when an evidence is produced. They say that the case is finished. They say we would have backed you up on this, but you have no evidence. How many of you have ever heard that before? But the moment the, 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 the prosecuting counsel or the defense counsel goes and says, My Lord, I have one more thing to show you. The whole court will wait. They will wait for that one thing because that one thing, which is an evidence, may change everything. This is why we live in a world these days that you make sure, and I'm telling you this very seriously, the world is such a very cruel place now. If you do things in your workplace and, uh, and the things that you know because you take decisions that can affect you, that can, that can put the name of the Lord to disrepute or, or just affect you in a line of work, make sure you always have evidence. Make sure you always have evidence. Because when they go to a panel, God forbid, and they say, but what did you do? If you say, I told them, they will say, when? 
If you say, I told them last week, and they say, what is the evidence? And the person said, you didn't tell them. If you have an email, or you have even a text message in our day and age, or you have any kind of thing that can show that you, you pass the message across, then you are covered. Don't be like fools. We are in a very wicked world now. And before you commit yourself to anything, I didn't mean to say this, but I felt to say it very strongly. Because a lot of believers and a lot of people are just living life. We think that everybody is our brother and our sister in church. That will always mean well. That will always say yes is yes and no is no. But not everybody is like that. The world is a wicked place. There are people today you will tell in your workplace, you will tell them that this is what we're going to do. Everybody agrees. The next minute they change everything. You did not know. And then you find out that you are on your own by the time you get there the next day. How many people understand what I'm talking about? So make sure that you cover your tracks as much as possible. Don't live a life of suspicion or fear, but be wise. Hallelujah. But the Bible makes us to understand that this faith is the evidence of things not seen. The evidence of things that are still imagined. This is why we must understand what faith is. Faith is not just a name it, claim it, grab it thing that we have reduced it to. It is the power tool that God puts in the hand of a believer to keep accessing the things that he has kept in the spirit. To keep accessing everything that he has made provisions for them in the spirit. The Bible says God has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. It includes our divine health. It includes our divine protection. It includes our divine promotion. It includes our divine elevation. Everything that God has kept in the place of the divine, we have to access only by faith. Verse 2, the Bible says, by faith, for by it the elders obtain a good testimony. Faith is so important, and that is why a whole chapter, that whole chapter of Hebrews chapter 11, listed so many elders that obtained a good report by it. Also, God operated by faith. Verse 3, verse 3, the Bible says, for by faith, let's read, let's read verse 3 together. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. By faith we understand. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. We understand it by faith. And what God was showing us was when he said, let there be light, even before the sun was created, he was saying that light is not going to only be restricted to the physical element of the sun that he was creating. Light was to come as a result of his pronouncement. And Genesis chapter 1 verse 3 and verse 4 should always let you know when God said, let there be light, should always remind you that God can command anything out of nothing. I say God can command anything out of nothing. Our believer generation must understand we are so scientifically minded. We are so theoretically based. We, are, we have philosophical minds that think in terms of logic. It thinks in terms of process. We have been trained to rationalize everything to theories of man. And this is limiting us. It's limiting us even right through to the church. We need to take faith steps by the church. We bring in all our business economic models. We bring in all our theories and everything. And we try to put them on a table to try to rationalize how God is going to do it. God has never needed the theories of man to make anything happen. He did not need any theory of man to part the Red Seas. I say he did not need any theory of man to part the Red Seas. <laughs> Somebody said jokingly that it was the professionals that built the Titanic. That's why it sank. The only one God built, the ark, never sank. Hallelujah. When man built their own, they say it can never sink. It sank within one year. <laughs> 
They built it. They said, nothing can sink this one. God showed them that anything you do can sink easily. Only the one I make. The Noah's Ark floated and it, it, it went into safety till after the floods. God is a good God. And so I want to encourage us to understand that the word of faith is a non-negotiable. This is why the Bible says we must walk by faith. 2 Corinthians 5, 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. We walk by faith and not by sight. We don't walk by the way we think. Does that mean we should suspend our thinking? Does that mean we should suspend our common sense? No. Far from it. It doesn't mean you should suspend those things, but you should not limit your life to those things. When God says you should move, when God says you should act, when God says you should take a step, many times it will not go with logic. Take it from me. Except it's not God speaking. Many times... You will have a resistance because everything around you may not look it. God tells you to start a business. Many times you have nothing to show for why that business should start. But I tell you, if you listen to the same God as you take steps, just like Peter stepped out of the boat, as I've always told you, all he needed to do was to step out of the boat. I have always told you your responsibility is to step out of the boat. It is his responsibility to make you walk on water. Don't try to do the two because you can't. You don't have the capacity to make yourself walk on water. But he has. I say he has it. But you need to cooperate with him. The, we must walk by faith, not by sight. Because it is easier to walk by sight. It is easier to see things and act in the direction of the things you see. It is much easier. It is much easier to, to respond to the things you see, the things you feel, the things you hear. It is much easier. It is much easier to listen to news now and panic by the reason of, of everything that is happening across the world with, 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 the, with the coronavirus, the COVID-19. It is much easier to listen to those things than to go into the Word of God and, and read about divine protection and read about God's, God's divine guidance and everything God has provided for those that put their trust in him. It is more difficult. It takes faith to access that one. You don't need any faith to listen to BBC and say, wow. <laughs> you need no faith. You just need to hear natural. You will just say, wow. But to come to this world, and he says, he that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge. And the BBC says, you know, he's coming to Warsaw, he's coming all over Birmingham. They have 50 cases now. You say, wow, that one is easier to follow. But the one that says that you stay, you will abide under the shadow of the Almighty, you have to have faith. Jesus said, have faith in God. Mark eleven twenty two. Have faith in God. Have faith in God. Not in your bank account. Not in your physical strength. Not in your wisdom. Not in anything you have. Have faith in God. So we walk by faith and not by sight. Faith must be expressed personally or corporately. What I mean by that is that I have a responsibility to walk by faith. You have a responsibility to walk by faith. And every assemblage of God's children requires them to work collectively in corporate faith. It is very important we understand that if our world will see deliverance today, if our world will see a change today, it will rest on the collective faith of the believers in local assemblies and globally as a church as they work together. This is why the devil is doing everything he can to split churches, to frustrate churches, or to bring heresies, to bring things that will make it difficult for the church to function. 
He's doing it because he knows that that is the only hope that the world has today. He said, we are the light of the world. We're a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. And so we must continue to press into, into corporate faith by coming, by training ourselves to develop our personal faith. This comes by the word of God. And we must understand that the intake of the word of God is what you and I need and to continue to increase our faith. Romans 10, 17 says, So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. This kind of hearing is not the hearing that should just hit your, your eardrum and then, you know, just give a vibration to your eardrum and then you say you have heard it. That is the beginning of it. It will hit your eardrum, but it must go into your spirit man. It must take over your soul. When it hits your spirit man, it takes over your soul, then your body starts to respond to it. That is when you know that faith has come. When you find yourself responding to the word of God naturally, then you are walking in faith. When you still find yourself knowing what the word of God says, hearing it, but you are not able to act it, you are not able to believe it, that means you have not heard it enough. That's why it says it comes by hearing and hearing. You see, until you get to the and hearing, it makes no difference. It's like anybody listening to any news or anything that is published. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Great servant of God, King David said, once has he spoken, but what? Twice have I heard. I have heard and I have heard. Because it is the second hearing, the one that hits your spirit man, that makes the change. Many of us have been hearing the word of God, as in hearing, physical hearing. From the day we were born, we were brought, brought into church, day eight, after we were born. And we've been in church virtually every week of our lives, virtually. So it is, if it is just only what we hear alone, we should be floating in the air by now. <laughs> we should be supernatural beings that just, we, don't, we will not be touching the ground anymore <laughs> if only it worked by the first hearing. Because we have heard everything that can be heard first time. But the amount of things that have settled in our spirit second time varies. And that is where we have to keep working. Because as the word intake and its spread grows, so does faith grow. Many instances in the Bible, especially in the book of Acts, the Bible will say that the word of God spread. Look at Acts chapter 6 verse 7. Let's read these three verses quickly. Acts chapter 6 verse 7. Let's read go. One, two now. Then the word of God spread and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem and a great many of priests were obedient to the faith. The word of God spread, obedience to the faith increased. The word of God spread, obedience to the faith increased. So when the word of God comes into you and you start to walk in faith, what it does is that it increases your obedience to the faith. There are certain things that God has done in my life out of the work of faith that has given me the impetus to trust him for the next levels. It's easy. I don't know why people find it difficult. David said, the God that gave me the lion and the bear, he will give me this Philistine. Very simple principle. Has he ever done one thing in your life? Then trust him for the next thing. He will do it again. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil tell you that this one is too big. No, never. Never let him tell you, ah, this one that you have reached, that is it. This one is a finisher. No, he's a liar. <laughs> he's a liar. The God that did it the first time, he will do it again. 
I always say, if God has ever blessed you with five pounds, he can bless you with 50. If he has ever blessed you with 50, he can bless you with 500. If he has ever blessed you with 500, he can bless you with 5,000. It costs God nothing to give you 50,000. It costs God nothing to, for him to give you 5 million if you need it. It costs him nothing. We are the ones that restrict him. The Bible says the word spread. You have to let the word keep growing in you. Go to the next one. Acts chapter 12, verse 24. The Bible says, but the word of God grew and it what? And multiplied. The word of God, tell your neighbor for me, the word of God has capacity to grow and multiply. Keep taking it in. Hallelujah. Because it can grow inside you. It can grow inside you. The more you take, the more it takes you over. That's why the Bible says, let the Holy Spirit be the one that is ruling in you. Let the word of God dwell in you richly. Colossians 3.16. He said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell in you richly. Because when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, with the word of God dwelling in you richly, you have multiplied faith. You find it easier to walk in faith. That's why he says in Ephesians, do not be drunk with wine. Because the same way wine can intoxicate and take over a person. Have you ever seen a drunken person climbing step that is not there? You'll be doing like that. You'll be doing like that. <laughs> because he sees something in the spirit that you and I are not seeing. <laughs> and that one is not coming from the spirit of God. It's coming from Bacchus. <laughs> it's coming from Bacchus spirit. That's why you see the man. You'll be wondering, why are you, why are you hopping? He's not hopping. He's seeing steps. So he will be walking like that. <laughs> Ah, that is how you are. In the spirit, you'll be moving and taking steps that people will be saying, something is wrong with this person. Somebody's, what you are seeing, what they are not seeing. Hallelujah. It's the same way it works in the spirit. When I was flying to Dubai on May the 26th, 2013, and we were looking for a place to do this church work, and we've gone all over. I've been to West Brom, I tell you. I went, the farthest I went towards Wolverhampton was Bilstein, all over this area, hotels, and we've spoken to people and tried things. And then suddenly we got to that place, just by that pedestrian crossing there. Some of you have heard this story many times. And the Holy Spirit said to me, now look to your left. That building is available, talking about this building. And I live two streets down the, down the road. But believe me, seven years up to that point, I'd never seen this building. I knew roughly, you know, if you drive past a place, you know that some things are there. But you've never, I've never really looked at it to say, this is a building like this. And when I turned, something moved on my inside to go for it immediately. As if God spoke to all the pastors in town <laughs> that they should go for the building. You know, I wanted to get there first. Hallelujah. I said to my wife, I said to her, as I was going to the airport, I said to her, I said, go to that building. Go and find out the number. Ring the person tomorrow. That was Sunday. And then I said, on Monday, go there, look at whatever number is there, ring them and tell them that we want it. He said, okay, that which building? I described it to her. She came here. She said, wow, you mean a facility like this is here? And it was written on it, for sale or may rent. Now, at this point, I did not have 1,000 pounds in my, in, my, in my account. Not. Not that I saved it anywhere or something. I did not have it at all at that point. And uh, I said to her, I said, go, go for it. She came here the next day. As God will have it, it was a bank holiday, which was a big blessing in, this, in, in, in disguise. When she rang the first number, which was the agent's number, because it was a bank holiday, they were not in the office, so she rang the next number, which was the landlord's number. We didn't know that God was shielding us from the agent, because if, 
If we had spoken to the agents, he would have asked, do you have three-year credit history? Where, how long have you been trading? What is your annual turnover? <laughs> and we don't have anything. In fact, we only had a business name registered at that point in time. <laughs> so God knew that that layer has to be taken. I'm telling you how you walk by faith. If I was told that thing in my house and I came here and I read the posters, I would say, oh, we can't qualify. But God spoke to me at a time when all I needed to do was to act. And we acted. And the rest is history. About eight, ten weeks later, we have spent about 40000 putting this place together and getting it ready for the things that were, including the advance payment and all that, just for God to, to, to do what he wanted to do. And I learned from that simple principle that everything God says you should do, just take the step and move towards it. Just move towards it. When you move towards it, you start to see it unravel. Don't be afraid of that PhD. Some of you think PhD is for two-headed people. It's not. Go and do it. What is there? Go and sit down and do it. God has been telling you two years, three years. What are you waiting for? Go and enroll. Do it. Takes three years, four years. Just be serious. You come out and they'll call you doctor. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Don't be afraid. Masters, what is masters? What is those things? Those things are nothing. Don't let the devil tell you, ah, I'm too old. You are not too old. You are not too old. I had a PhD student eight years ago. He was 82 years old. He died doing that program. <laughs> It pained me that he didn't graduate. I wish he graduated because I would have snapped picture with him and showed the whole world. Because the man said to us, he said to me and Jamal, who was, you know, supervising him as well. He said, I have done everything. He's a retired civil engineer. He said, I have done everything. He said, I've been every panel you can think of. And then I sat down at home and I felt, why am I sitting down like this? That's why I came to enroll for PhD. <laughs> and I never forgot John for that. But unfortunately, two years into the program, John went to rest finally. <laughs> but you know something? You do, that taught me a lesson. You don't give up. You don't give up, especially in a country like this. Have you ever heard of widening participation? You have never heard of it? Widening participation? It means you can participate at any level whatsoever. If you don't have primary school certificate, you can get it in this country. Whether you are 60 years old or not, you can still... They will not put you in a primary school. But there is a way they will... <laughs> There's a way they will walk you to it to get it. <laughs> Everybody can study at any level, and I like the country for that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Just take the step. The Bible says, without, and then Acts 19.20 says, So the word of the Lord grew and mightily prevailed. Acts 19.20. So the word of the Lord grew mightily and prevailed. You need to understand, every time you hear the word of God like this, let it do something in you. Study the word of God and keep stretching. You know why many people are not growing in faith? We don't take steps with the things we have heard so far. We don't take steps with the things we have heard so far. The day I told you about this building, when we now said we were going to buy it and God has been helping us, we are saving up some money by the grace of God, and God is helping us. We are nearly moving to the three-figure savings now. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's give the Lord a big hand. A big hand. Hallelujah. And uh, if you know how much we pay every year on top of all that, to still have that kind of savings with the way we are, God is just showing himself strong. But you know something? God said to me last year, he said, son, the same way you moved into this building, to lease it stresslessly, that is how you will buy it stresslessly. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's why I'm not afraid. You will notice I will just say, whatever God lays in your heart, keep giving it, keep giving it. And we're doing it, and God is helping us to see the increase. And so I want to encourage us, when you take steps towards the things of God that God is commanding you to do, you will take delivery. 
Some of the things we need to take steps towards include the improvement of our marital relationships. Don't think things will just change without taking steps. You need to understand as husband and wife that you have to take steps. You have to educate yourself. When you have children and they are growing up, you don't know. When children are under 10, they are different. When they are teenagers, they are different. When they are post-20, they are another set of people altogether. You need to keep praying and trusting God and reading literature and listening to the stories of others who have gone ahead of you. Listen to mentors. We have a generation of people who have it self-made, self-sufficient. We don't like to listen to mentors. We don't like to listen to people who have gone ahead of us. And it's robbing us of things that we don't... You know what a mentor does? A mentor tells you what you should not do so that you don't repeat their own errors. That's all they do. You can hear from their story that they took certain steps and they will tell you, don't bother to do that. When I was to start ministry until today, there are people I listen to and there are people I call one-on-one and they will tell me, don't bother, don't bother. So a lot of things help me to keep my focus because I understand that faith can rise in me as I listen to the word of God, even through people around me. God does not like unbelief. Write that down. God hates unbelief. Unbelief undermines the integrity of God. How many of you are parents here and you tell your, your son, you are going out to school and he says, oh, mom, I want ice cream, or dad, I want ice cream. And you know that all you are doing is to drive to the shop, corner shop there, get the ice cream and continue to school or coming back from school. You are sure you are going to do it for them. And then suddenly, you are noticing that as you are driving towards the place, they start to cry. And you say, why are you crying? He said, because I don't know if you'll buy me my ice cream. And they are really crying profusely. How would you feel? Would you feel happy as a parent? No, not. Because it shows that they, they doubt you. It shows that they don't believe in you. It shows so many things that you, even as a natural person, will not be happy about. That's exactly what happens when we act in unbelief. God told the children of Israel, he said, I'm going to give you a land. It is flowing with milk and honey. He said, you will go and possess it. But he never told them that there were so many Hittites, Perizzites, and all these kind of people there, Jebusites. He never told them that they were there. He just told them that that land is flowing with milk and honey. And that's exactly God for you. He shows you the throne, the, 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 the palace. But he will never show you the prison. <laughs> because he knows that if he shows you the prison, you will run away. <laughs> He knows you more than you know yourself. So when he gives you a dream, it's usually he shows you the beautiful part so that you say, wow, God, I like this. <laughs> I like this. But he will never show you the things that you will go through to get to that place because he knows you and I. Hallelujah. Many of you, when you are courting your wife and you told her all those dreams you had of yourselves flying together... <laughs> And doing those things. And then suddenly, as you are doing the marriage, you started to see some things. You say, are you like this? He say, yes, I am like that. <laughs> God will not show you all those ones. Because those ones are the things that he will use to build your faith. To come back to him. To say, Lord, because we have a glorious picture ahead of us. Help us to go through this. God told them, go and spy out the land. Moses sent them two by two. In Numbers chapter 13, verse 27, we read. Ten of them came back. They told him and said. We went to the land where you sent us. It truly flows with milk and honey, and this is its fruit. This is what amazes me mostly about this story. These people said that this is its fruit. This is the evidence that that place truly has milk and honey. But look at what they said next. 
Why? Because many times we lay hold of the things. We are so sure God has spoken. We are so sure that is what is there. But then we do like the people. Verse 28. Go to verse 28. He said, nevertheless, the people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. Verse 29. The Amalekites also dwell in the land in the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. And they began to say things that God himself knows are there to God. Who told you that God did not know that there is a wall around Jer Jericho when he told them to possess it? Who told you that God did not know that there is a Red Sea that was on the way that they would have to cross when he told them to move? Who told you that he did not know that there was a Jordan that would have to pass for them to cross into the Red Sea? Who told you that he does not know that the Perizzites and the Jebusites and all the Amorites and all those people who are in the, in the, uh, the Canaanites who dwell by the sea? Who told you he did not know they're there? He knows every opposition you will face. He knows everything that will be a challenge for you. The moment you doubt what he has said, you are like Peter, who instead of continuing to bask on the word of Jesus that said, come to me, keep walking on water, you now start to look at the waves and the storms, and what that only brings is sinking. You will not sink. Amen. I say you will not sink. Amen. You and I must understand that we have a responsibility to maintain our faith. These people say this is the fruit. Very pathetic story. They held the fruit by their hand. When they were cutting the fruit, where were the Jebus? That's the question I keep asking. Where were the giants that they were talking about? Didn't they see them there? So if the giants could not catch them catching the fruit, what told them that the giants can now destroy them from taking the land? The devil that could not have killed you today would never succeed in killing you. In the name of Jesus, the thing that has made it impossible for you to fail and fail utterly till today will make sure, God will make sure that that thing will never make you fail. In the name of Jesus. I want you to understand that God is mindful of your case. The Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. Hebrews 11, 6. We need faith to be able to please God. God is very disappointed when we walk in unbelief. In Numbers chapter 14, when these people, when God was so disappointed about how these people discouraged. But before we go there, just read verse 30. Look at what Caleb said in verse 30, which will be the language of every believer. Let's read it together. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession, for we are well able to overcome it. We must understand that we have ability in God's ability. Never calculate your ability with your common sense. Your human wisdom will show you all the restrictions. The Bible says God is able to make all grace abound towards you so that you in all sufficiency at all times will be able to abound unto every good work. So you are bound to every good work by reason of his ability and by reason of his grace. Whatever God says to you to do, just do it. But recognize that you are able because of his ability. That is at work in you. Hallelujah. In Numbers chapter 14, God had to remove these people because they were going to be like a cancer to the coming new nation. Numbers 14 verse 36. The Bible says, let's read together. Now the men whom Moses sent to spy out the land who returned and made all the congregation complain against him by bringing a bad report of the land. Verse 37. 
those very men who brought the evil report about the land died by the plague before the Lord. God hates unbelief. God hates people who carry bad report. Be a bearer of good news. When we speak good news, it doesn't mean we are burying our head in the sand. When we confess what the Word of God says in the present circumstances, and we say that Jesus says by his stripes we are healed, and the Bible says no weapon formed against us shall prosper, and any tongue that rises against us in judgment he shall condemn. When he says that no evil will come near our dwelling place, and we begin to quote these things, we are not being arrogant. We're not being arrogant or disrespectful or disregarding those who unfortunately might have been caught by it. We are simply declaring a covenant that we're in. We're simply re receiving the strength and the grace that can only come from God and protect his people in this kind of wickedness. The Bible says those who went about were plagued. None of us here will be plagued. In the name of Jesus. And verse 38, the Bible says, But Joshua, the son of Nun, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, remained alive of the men who went out to spy the land. If you want life and life eternal to keep speaking, keep being a person of faith. Never join the negative camp. Never join those who undermine God's integrity and what God is able to do. Be on the side of those who are always promoting his goodness and his strength. The reason why the corporate faith of churches today is weak is because there are too many polluters in the camp. I'm not talking about our church. I'm talking about the church globally. That's why God was removing them in the Old Testament. And even in the early church, in the likes of Ananias and Sapphira, anything that was going to pollute the faith of the church was removed quickly. Quickly. Instantly. Because the power of the church and the power of faith is something that starts with the individual. With a pure heart with a true heart, with a commitment to want to do the things of God. And then suddenly, corporately, we submit it together. So you and I must keep working on our faith. The Bible gave us so many examples in Hebrews chapter 11. And for this week, I want you to read Hebrews 11 over and over again. He gave us many good examples about people who walked ahead of us. But we'll quickly look at Abraham and Sarah now in, in verse 11. Hebrews 11 verse 8, sorry. It said, by faith, by, verse Am I reading verse 8? Hebrews 11, verse 8. Yeah, thank you. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. These are very important things you need to understand. Many of us want to know where we are going after God has spoken. We want to know where we're going. And because we cannot know where we're going, we don't go out. We don't take steps. The Bible says that is unbelief. By faith, Abraham obeyed. All you need is to hear the voice of God. All you need is to hear the word of God. And when you go to where he says, the Bible says, even, you, even if you may not know, you can go out by faith in obedience. And then God will give you the inheritance. I say God will give us the inheritance. Amen. In the name of Jesus. The next verse, verse 9. It said, By faith he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, and heirs with him of the same promise. By faith he dwelt there. For he of the same promise, verse 10, verse 10, verse 10. For he waited for the city 
which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. That's what God showed him, and that's what he kept in his heart. Never lose the picture of what God shows you about your dream, about your life, because it's going to come to pass. I said it's going to come to pass. You have heard me say it many times in this place that if you are not here by 9.30, a time is coming. When you are not here by 9.30 on the dot, you are going to park on Stafford Street or on Green Lane. And I've seen your car parked. No, not your own. I've seen the car of the latecomers parked so way far away. Because it's going to happen. It's just a matter of time. I sleep and I wake up and I see it every time. It's so, it's so easy. But you know something? The devil will show you one million and one reasons if you give him the chance. You say, really? As God said that, are you sure? <laughs> and some of us will sit down and be discussing. What are you discussing with the devil? He is a liar. Even if he comes and he calls your name, I've told you, just tell him you're a liar. Even though that's my name, but you are lying. <laughs> because he has no capacity to speak any truth whatsoever. Don't ever agree with the devil. The Bible says whatever is good, whatever is pure, whatever is of a good report, keep thinking about those things. The Bible says Abraham was waiting. He was waiting for the city. Keep waiting. When I married my wife, before we got married, shortly before we got married, we were, I was living in a one-bedroom apartment, and she would visit me in the year 1994. We got married in 95, late 95, and she would visit me, and I would be telling her that I see us, I see us some point, you know, flying the world, and we, 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 I see us just traveling. Honestly, I had no, there is nothing in the, in the physical that could illustrate that. But I saw it. I said, the time will come. You and I will be, and she will go, really? Wow. And thank God she believed those dreams with me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And you know, today, by the grace of God, it's like it, we never went through those stages. This is why I'm so settled about the things God has told me about this work. It's just a matter of time. It's just a matter of time. And I want you all to know that whatever God has said about you, is just a matter of time. Keep doing the right things. Keep your heart clean. The devil is trying to pollute people's hearts. He's trying to make people. I, I have lost. I'm losing gradually. And let me not say I've lost it because I'm still trusting God to help me in every way. But you know what? I am losing gradually every capacity for strife. You want to strive? You're going to run fast. Because I have no room for it. I have no room for it. It's such a big time waster. I pull with you. You pull with me. I pull with you. You pull with me. For what? When I have work to do. <laughs> when I have work to do. I am going to stay focused. You want to pull something, I will give you a rope and tie you to a tree. Keep pulling there. Not me, man. Not me. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Keep pulling that thing. Because there's no time. There's no time. Do you know that this COVID, the rate that this thing has spread, is showing us how serious the devil is about this end time? Before we knew it, 1,000 people. When did it get to Spain? We're talking 800 people in Italy. When did he get there? Before we know it, the devil means business. And then believers are, are haggling over, over, over trivial things. We need to wake up and understand that there is a battle. There is a seriousness. Every one of us in the body of Christ, some of us here are supposed to be big time actors for the things of God. Singers. Some of us here are supposed to be preachers. Some of us here are already supposed to be pastoring other churches. We need to stand up and say, Lord, use me the way you want to use me. Because there is a world out there that is waiting for mighty anointings. We have heard the word of God for 15 years, 20 years. We need to step out and do things. We need to understand where we come on a Sunday like this is to train us. When we go out there is to do the work of the kingdom. To keep making sure that the enemy is put back. And God will keep helping us as we walk in faith. In the name of Jesus. So it is important. Sarah also, verse 11, he said, by faith, Sarah also... 
By faith, Sarah also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past age, because she judged him faithful, who had promised. Keep judging God faithful. I say, keep judging God faithful. The faithfulness of God is unshakable. God cannot lie. He has no ability to lie. He will never lie to you because he has never lied to anyone. And I pray that you will take delivery of everything he has said concerning you. In the name of Jesus. I want to quickly close by just saying a couple of things. Those of you that have watched this online, we read 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 1 to 11 in our Bible reading. But this was Paul's writings when he sent Timothy to this wonderful church. Verse 4 says, For in fact, we told you before when we were with you that we would suffer tribulation just as it is happened, and you know, verse 8, uh, verse 5. He said, for this reason, verse 5, he said, for this reason, for this reason, when I could no longer endure it, I sent to know your faith. He didn't say I sent to know your bank account. He didn't say I sent to know your prayer life. I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter had tempted you and our labor might be in vain. What keeps you going and what will keep me, you and I going in this end time is our faith. We have to keep making sure that our faith is fed. Our faith is fed with the word of God, believing the word of God, confessing the word of God, living the word of God. Verse 6, he said, but now Timothy has come to us from you and brought us good news of your faith and love. And that you always have good remembrance of us, greatly desiring to see us as we also see you. Say, but now that Timothy has come to us, we are happy. Verse 7 says, verse 7, verse 7 now. He said, therefore, brethren, in all our afflictions and distress, we were comforted concerning you by your faith. We comfort one another with our faith. Anytime you pick the phone up and you call your brother and you say, you know what happened in my workplace yesterday? Oh, brother, I need you to stay with me. I'll have to do this. We'll have to go through some this and some procedure. Please pray with me. When your brother at the other end or your sister starts to give you the word of God and keeps praying for you and keeps strengthening you and keeps encouraging you that God is on your side, don't worry, God will save you. Even the lawful captive will be, will be released, says the word of God. And everything like that you start to see comfort of God coming into you. That's why we need corporate faith. You need to be strong. I need to be strong. Every one of us, the Bible says it is iron that sharpens iron. Let us not take for granted that we need to develop our faith. We have built a church in our generation, a church, in quote, in our generation that puts faith on leadership. Pastor must be the one to have all the faith. So everybody does not take it upon themselves as a responsibility to develop their own faith. That is heretical. That is part of what the devil has used to weaken the church. I am not better than you in any way. I am only privileged to be pastor who coordinates the affairs of things here. That is my job. I'm not more spiritual than you. There's nothing like that. There's nothing like that. Those are lies of the devil. We are all spiritual. We are all born again. We are all saints. We are all going to heaven. Amen. Amen. We all have access to Jesus Christ. I don't have better access. Who told you that I have better access to Jesus? I don't have better access. <laughs> There's nothing like that. 
They say, ah, let us, let us tell pastor, because pastor, I'm not, I'm not saying that you should not share things with me and that I won't pray with you, but I want you to know that it's not from the basis of because I have a better access to Jesus Christ. You have equal access. The Bible says, let us come boldly, not the pastors or apostles, come boldly. He said, let us all come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help us in time of need. So what should we do? What should, should we not respect leadership in the place? That's not what I'm saying. But for the sake of administration, there are people God puts in every assembly that they coordinate things. And somebody has to assign, you do this, you do that, please help with that and that. That's all. But as for access to God, we all have it. So let us all continue to be encouraged. We have faith. Say, I have faith. I have faith in the Son of God. In Galatians 2.20, let us continue to remember what Paul said. For our faith to be triggered, we have to do what Paul is saying here. One of the reasons why the faith has also been weakened in the church life is because many people have not gone through this process very well. Let's read it together. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You and I must make sure that we are crucified with Christ. You know, the Bible says we are buried in baptism. It didn't say we died in baptism. There's a difference between being dead and being buried. When the Bible says he died and was buried and he rose again, it's for a purpose. Because if you die and you are not buried, in the old tradition, it was considered that you are not completely dead. So they buried people, put them in a tomb, and sealed them. That's why they called Jesus the first day. He didn't come because they didn't want to bury Lazarus just yet. But when they saw that Jesus was not coming, they now sealed the tomb with a stone. Because that in their symbol, it means burial. It means that that is it. No more, no more rising up. And that's why Jesus waited for them to do that. If he came at the very first time before he was buried, even though he was dead, if he came before he was buried, they would say, oh, he was not really fully dead. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's why Paul said, I have been crucified with Christ. The word crucified means I have died with him, buried with him, and I have now been raised with him. That is what makes faith work. Many believers died, but they have not been buried. How do you know this? Every walk of the flesh is still there. You touch them one way, they give you five ways back. <laughs> they can say anything. They can swear anytime. It just comes through. Those are the things that symbolize not being crucified. You and I must be crucified. Like Paul, he said, the life we now live, we live by faith in the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. This is how we live by faith. We live by faith by being crucified. This flesh, touch it. As a symbol, touch your flesh, touch it like I'm touching mine. Say, this flesh will not control me. This flesh will not overpower me. It will die daily till Jesus comes. Amen. Some of you are afraid. You think that means that your flesh will not be looking good. That's not what I'm talking about. But the reality is that the power of the flesh will keep on going down in your life so that the power of the faith in the Son of God will be at work continuously. Let's rise to our feet. Yeah.